Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast where we talk about all things Star Wars. I am James and today I'm going to be by myself. Uh, I'm doing a quick book review of Queen Shadow. Uh, it came out last week, and it's written by E.K. Johnson, who's also written a few uh, another book of Star Wars, which was uh, Star Wars Ahsoka, uh, which is a very, very popular book. And so she wrote this one called Queen Shadow, and this takes place between Episode 1 and Episode 2. Uh, I was a little iffy of the timeline, because I remember... I thought it was going to be afterward, but I don't know. But yeah, it takes place between episode one and episode two. And it begins with the beginnings of the new queen coming in after Amidala. And it's very interesting to see the politics and how the politics worked on Naboo. Um, and to see how the hierarchy is there on Naboo. And so that's where it starts off. And we get a good look at her handmaidens who you see in episode one, they're the ones in the orangish, orangish red, you know, cloaks. And you see their, their positions and what they do for the queen. And uh, a lot of the story is, you know, with them and her together. And it's, it's a fairly interesting look at it and the, the politics that was going on around there. And it was, it was what I wasn't what I was expecting, but I still really, really enjoyed the book. Um, and like I said, it starts off with her, you know, the swearing in of the new queen, and she's then asked to stay on as senator, which is where we see her at the beginning of episode two. So it, you know, kind of does a really good job of segueing into that. And we see um, the behind the scenes of the queen's life, which was really interesting, in my opinion. Um, I know most people, whenever they saw episode one, you immediately were amazed at the costumes that she wears, the Queen Amidala wears, and how many times she changes them. And this book, very interestingly, goes into detail about those costumes, goes into detail about like the functions of them and the fact that a lot of them are bulletproof and that there's easy ways for her to get out of these costumes and if something happens. Um, and also really interesting is the... Um, the process of putting them on and how the handmaidens are quick to grab the clothes and put them on her and how there's a, there's a certain way they have to do each one. And the book goes into detail on that. And I, I felt that was really interesting. I thought that was a really interesting way of, of going about it. And I know this is everywhere, but anyways, um, so it starts off, like I said, Queens get sworn, sworn in. She becomes a Senator and she goes to Coruscant where she is now introduced as Padme as Cinder of Naboo, and everyone, of course, thinks she is very, you know, one, she's very young, and two, she's loyal to her planet, because if you remember, at this time, all they know her from is the Trade Federation's blockade on there, on the planet of Naboo, and her getting Chancellor Valorum out of the Chancellorship, and then having Palpatine come in, so there's this whole big deal where the, the senate is wondering okay is she just palpatine's puppet because she's the one who you know asked for this 
vote, and then he's the one who ended up taking the position. And um, or is she, you know, or is she just too young to understand what's going on in the Senate? And so there's a lot of that, you know, them kind of looking down on her, um, not really trusting her. And plus, there's a lot of uh, propaganda against her. A lot of uh, news is being written about her. A lot of false stuff is being written about her um, and her intentions. And so it's that was a really interesting thing to see in the Senate because you really don't get to hear a lot about that in the movies. You just kind of see them there and they do their votes and or they do their talk and that's it. Um, in this story, she meets uh, Mon Mothma and Bell Organa and uh, Bon Terry, which her son is in um, The Clone Wars, which I was really excited to see. And I love these books now because a lot of them are bringing in this new uh this new canon or this canon that's being written now and they're bringing it in to further you know cement it there in star wars and so i really really like it um and i think it's it's just a really cool a really cool way of making the story really really come together and uh and through this, you know, she joins committees on, you know, in the Coruscant, and then that's when she starts to kind of get really close to Bail Organa and Mon Mothma. And of course, us being Star Wars fans and knowing the full story, we realize where all of this is leading to and why these relationships she has uh, are really important. Um, and that was, for me, the little Easter eggs is what really, really got me excited about this book. And I'm not good at book reviews, as you can tell, so I'm going to just say the book was, was really interesting. It's a really good chapter in the Star Wars world, and it's good because it's one of the first times we're seeing prequel-era stuff written now for the new canon. You know, considering all the old canon was thrown out, now they're legends. This is official canon stuff being written for Star Wars and so a lot of it was really interesting to see, like, what they're keeping, what they're taking away. Um, and it, I, I liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. And right now I'm going to kind of shift gears and go to the parts of the book that I really, really, really liked. Um, parts that I highlighted and parts that were highlighted from other from other listeners. I got it on the Kindle, so they have, you know, the highlights there. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was the fact that how much emphasis is still held on the trade federation's attack on Naboo. Like that was a huge deal for them and for her. And of course it really was. And it's one of those things that a lot of people were kind of like, man, you know, the, who cares about the trade federation? Who cares about the, the blockade and the taxation on the goods, you know, like, cause that's what the movie's really about. And episode one's really about, and yeah, you could get kind of bored, but it's be, it's because of that event and because of what she went through is what really gets the story going as we know it. As we see, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and now we're going to be coming to nine at the end of the year. A lot of what happened with the Trade Federation invading Naboo got the whole story in motion. And it was really interesting to see how this book really drove that point home. And that a lot of the actions that Queen, you know, I'm not Queen, but, you know, Padme makes is based off of her uh, actions that were taken during the Trade Federation uh, occupation of Naboo. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, and another thing I really liked was they they give a lot of, uh, she gives a lot of credit to Qui-Gon Jinn, Padme does. And the fact, you know, when he, he died 
in the Battle of Naboo, which is that's what it's called, the Battle of Naboo, which I love. I thought that was really cool that there's like an official name for it. And she says how he died, but and the fact that he knew who she was immediately, but kept the the secret going for the sake of everyone else. Like he knew that she was doing, she was pretending to be, you know, the handmaiden while her handmaiden was pretending to be the queen. He knew that immediately, but and for her sake, he kept it a secret and kept the ruse going. You know which I thought was really interesting that they acknowledged that in the book and that how he knew automatically. And then another part of the book I really, really liked was they referenced the scene in Attack of the Clones whenever Sabe, which was the, which was who was, you know, being queen during the, uh, the Trade Federations, you know, when they came to Naboo and that's when they did the switch really, really quickly. And the book actually describes the switch between Padme and Sabe, when uh, she became the handmaid and she became the queen. And there's the scene um, in the movie whenever they're debating whether or not they're going to leave, and Sabe looks to Padme, and Padme says, we are brave, your highness, which was their code word or you know saying of her giving the okay that this is what we need to do. And and so the the book explains that part where... You know, like that's one thing they that she would say to them, so they would know, like you know, this is what this is what the queen wants. And I thought that was really cool. And it's one of those those moments in the movie that you saw that you really that you 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 knew, but it was like I said, it's really cool to see it finally just you know brought out. And um, another cool thing they do is uh, they they do sabak in in the book, um, which I thought was really cool. A little good callback to to solo and figuring out how to really cheat there. In you know in Sabak and I was like that's great. Um, another cool little little thing that was like thrown in there was um, somebody is speaking about twins and Padme says you know I can't imagine having twins you know and I thought that was like oh okay that's kind of cool you know Padme talking about that um, which was really cool and then another awesome thing in this book was R two D two is there but R two at the beginning of the book is referred to as the blue astromech because they still don't really know what he's all about all that she knows is he's he saved our lives leaving Naboo and he was a big part of the the battle of Naboo but they still don't know his name and then throughout the book they she learns his name and then R2 ends up like being with her and I was like that's so great that's so cool R2 is there from the beginning he knows everything you know R2 is and I have a theory about R2 and I did put up a video on YouTube but I don't think anybody watched it but anyways it's a theory that I have that R2-D2 is going to have a moment in episode 9 where he's going to explain the whole story because he knows everything because he was there from the beginning, beginning, you know. And so it's one of those things that I like that when they mention R2 being at a certain place, it's like, man, R2, like he has it all in his head and no one has wiped his memory. Um, so that was really cool. And the book ends with the the funeral of, you know, Padme and how the, you know, it was really, really sad moment. And Sabe actually goes to her home there on Naboo and then she gets a call. But before she gets a call, she actually um, looks through Padme's papers of the things that Padme was trying, was wanting to accomplish. Um, because one of the things that Padme was really, really adamant about and really wanted to, to uh, bring to the Senate and do away with was slavery. She wanted to get rid of slavery because she had seen firsthand what slavery was when she was on Tatooine and one of the things that she was trying to do was to find Shmi Skywalker and free her like that was one thing that she was 
really concentrating on specifically was to find Anakin's mother, um, which I thought was really interesting. I never, never would have known that Padme was trying to do that, you know, but that's one of the things that she was really, really, um, against was slavery. And I thought that was a really great character development part for her in the book. And, uh, toward the end, like I said, Sabe goes through some of Padme's, uh, her papers and finds like things that she wanted to do and things to uh, reinstate term limits on the chancellorship. And that's a big one because as you know, the chancellor was just getting more and more power. The chancellor would not give up his seat because there's no law to say how long he was supposed to serve uh, multiple bills advocating clone personhood, both during and hypothetically for the war was for when the war was done, which is really cool because that's a nice, nice reference to the clone wars and how the relationships that a lot of the, the clones made with the people and how they were looked upon after the clone wars and how she was going to try to, you know, give them, you know, personhood to let them, you know, go about in public and be, you know, normal people instead of having to go into hiding because of what they had done, um, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, a motion to bring all hyperspace lanes under the purview of the Republic uh, and to avoid territorial taxation and squabbling, which, of course, the the hyperdrive lanes, which is a big thing in the Clone Wars. There's a lot of battles that are fought over these uh, hyperdrive and uh, lanes. And then, of course, the taxation, which was what got this whole thing started in the first place. And years and years worth of drafts of anti-slavery bills, and which, like I said, was the main, main thing that that Padme really wanted to do away with it. It's almost like she Padme was trying to get this done, but then the Clone Wars started and the Clone Wars, you know, just took over everyone's lives. And so she was never able to get that, that going, you know, and that, that was what was really sad. And the ending of the book, uh, Queen Shadow kind of leaves you, um, it really leaves you wanting more. It really leaves you wanting to know what the next step is. Because, you know, Sabe's really depressed. She's, you know, she just lost her her very, very good friend and mentor and, you know, peer, you know, like everything, you know, she lost this really important person in her life. And then she gets a call, a hollow uh, call from somebody and she doesn't want to take it. And then she looks up and it's Senator Argana. And she says, Senator Argana, now is not a good time. What do you want? And that's where the book ends. And so your brain for Star Wars fans automatically goes to, oh my gosh, there's like a whole chapter of this story that we don't know. There's a whole underlying story going on now that we don't know about. And that's what I really, really like about some of these books and some of these, you know, stories is that there's, there's a whole thing going on underneath the original trilogy and, you know, even the prequels now that that's there and, it's, it doesn't take away from it, but it just adds more to it. There's another there's another element to that. And so Sabe being involved with the early stages of the Rebellion gets me kind of excited to see, like, what else was going on during, you know, the early days of the Rebellion. Or maybe she even survived the whole, the whole thing, you know. We don't know. Um, I thought that was really, really a cool, cool um, part of, you know, to introduce. And the same with Solo and... Um, and how you have Kira and Darth Maul, you know, and the Crimson Dawn, and like what what were they doing during you know the original movies? And there's this so many more layers that they're adding to Star Wars, and I'm getting getting really excited about that because I want to I really want to know I really want to know what they're planning to do. And um, it looks like the new like Disney's trying to give us this this more of a history about 
you know, the prequel era, you know, give us more substance there. Cause all we have now are just, you know, a few references in the prequel movies. Now that we're getting these books, cause we're getting this one and plus master and apprentice, which comes out, uh, next, next month by Claudia gray. Like that book is going to give us more of what was going on during the prequel era, which I think is really great. And then hopefully, you know, after, you know, a couple of months, maybe Lucasfilm will now give us, you know, Knights of the Old Republic, like go back and start telling some new stories, you know, and I know a lot of people are salty. I get it. A hundred percent. I get it. Why people are salty that the new canons kind of, you know, doing away with, you know, what was bad, what was done then. But at the time, you know, you got to remember when this new, when the old legend books were being written, like it was everyone's game. Like anyone could write what they wanted to write. Now that it's all kind of really controlled, we can kind of now get a really good history lesson of what, what's been going on this whole time. So yeah, Queen Shadow was pretty great. I know, like I said, I'm not a good book reviewer. Um, there's a ton of great little Easter eggs through the, through the story that will keep every Star Wars fan kind of excited and drawn to it and i know i spoiled the ending but i'm sorry i i had to so i i'll put a warning here in the, in the podcast so you know um but i yeah i highly recommend reading it and then of course getting ready for claudia gray's master and apprentice which comes out next week dealing with qui-gon and obi-wan before they uh, go to naboo during the trade federation's uh, occupation there so um yeah, hope you enjoyed it, and be sure to listen this weekend. Uh, we might have a bonus podcast for our year anniversary, which is really great. I'm really looking forward to that. And then plus we'll have our episode out on uh, Monday as well. So th- again, thank you for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed this, and may the Force be with you always. <laughs>